Welcome to Roll Call, a 126th Air Refueling Wing podcast of the Illinois Air National Guard at Scott Air Force Base. I'm your host, Master Sergeant Brian Ellison, the Roll Call podcast focused on people, mission, and community. Coming up, Lieutenant Colonel Brad Carhoff, 126th Logistics Readiness Squadron, tells us how his squadron fits into the wing, what keeps him serving in the 126th, and we'll ask him the hard-hitting question about corn dogs. Coming up this Saturday during drill from 11 to 1 o'clock at the dining facility. It's uh, the Lunch Club. Good time to just come hang out. Sponsored by Airmen and Family Readiness and uh, the chaplain's office. Uh, like I said, good time to just come hang out, relax, get to know some folks from around the wing and uh, maybe even uh, play some games. Sunday at noon at Building 5029 uh, is a Rising Six meeting. The Rising Six is a listed organization designed for growth on an individual level as well as wing cohesion. The group is a a great tool for uh, professional development, mentorship opportunities, networking, volunteer, and morale Airmen that actively participate and come together with their challenges feel empowered to find ways to fix them as a team. It doesn't matter what rank you are, E1 through E6, you're welcome to attend the meeting that's noon this Sunday, building 5029. By the way, you can find uh, a lot of this information uh, by signing up for the 126th Military and Family Readiness Resource Roundup. That's at 126.arw.afr.mailbox at us.af.mil. And uh, another thing coming up this Sunday at noon is a retirement briefing. I was talking to Keely uh, just a little bit ago, and she was saying that, uh, you know, if you're in that window two to four years from retiring, it may be a good idea to take that um that class, that briefing, and just kind of understand what you can be looking forward to and maybe what you need to start planning on uh, during that retirement brief. That's in room 131 at uh, building uh, 55,000. I almost said 50,000. Coming up in this week's Look Around the Air Force, Chief of Staff of the Air Force, General C.Q. Brown has approved more changes to the dress and appearance AFI. Joining us today, Lieutenant Colonel Brad Carhoff, the 126th Logistics Readiness Squadron. Sir, uh, thanks for coming on and joining us today. Thank you for having me. So uh, you guys do a lot at the Logistics Readiness Squadron. What are the main responsibilities uh, of the Logistics Readiness Squadron, and how do you guys fit into the overall mission? Okay, uh, well, for for us, uh, the big thing from a logistics readiness standpoint is that we're responsible for moving people and equipment are things, right? So what the squadron does overall is it's to drive that mission. Uh, we do that, we have four distinct flights that fall within the squadron, each of them do their own things. Um, so with that, we have our, our material management, our commonly referred to as supply uh, for most of the folks within uh, the sure. wing or outside of our squadron. Uh, and uh, that's our biggest flight. 
Uh, we have the deployment and distribution flight, uh, focus on deployment aspects in the, in the movement of personnel, our, our equipment, our, our things, and our vehicle management flight, and the fuels flight. So those four. Uh, so to break it down a little bit to kind of give you some kind of uh, uh, perspective of how they fit into the wings mission right so uh, material management supply you know there's two different aspects there we have our asset management section okay and they're responsible for the the, the stocking storing issue and managing of the DOD uh, assets that we receive right so sure. our warehouse uh, they also uh, responsible for outfitting and maintaining wing personnel uniform and operational equipment requirements so you, like enlisted like yourself right you know you, you need a new uniform you come over and talk to us right we're managing that process or if you have the specialty equipment stuff like the the steel toe boots to cold weather gear like sure. we're, we're managing that um they also provide that support for the readiness spare package kits the rsp kits and that's your uh like your mobile warehouse if you will for like aircraft parts so we deploy right we have uh, those spare kits that are there support that flying mission uh, for a sustained amount of time, 30, 60 days. Um, so we have a, a finite amount of parts in the kit, but that's what we manage. And that's over, is that kind of kept at maintenance? Is that where that's kept? So we keep it in our warehouse, oh, those okay. kits, right? right. Uh, maintenance drives a show on you know what they need and uh, work with us and how we, we fill those kits. And, and we actually use those day to day to support the mission as well. Okay. Uh, but we have a responsibility to manage that and keep that ready to go. Um, the other piece we do right there in the main warehouse with the asset management is the uh, you know weapons vault. So managing the mobi weapons, uh, mobility weapons. For oh, really? Folks. So when you deploy, if you need a weapon, you're coming to us to get that, um, as well as the the mobility bags, your ABC bags. Uh, and then the, the other uh, side of the the supply uh, is located over there in, in, with maintenance. And that's the uh, maintenance support or the customer service section. Both of them are reside in maintenance. Oh, okay. Um, the maintenance support, right? It's just, as it says, it's providing a direct maintenance, uh, direct support, supply support for maintenance. It makes sure they get their parts in a timely manner and help them uh, go through that process. And we're working with the scow on the other side of the base to, to manage that and to get that to them as quickly as possible. Does that help having the, uh, having the scow? Does that help having the scow so close? Of course. <laughs> Right, and it helps, uh, you know, it's a sister squadron within our wing uh, as an active associate over there, um, you know, having somebody we can reach out to and talk to, right? Yeah. Uh, no, no doubt. Um, so we also provided that customer service. So if you have anything you want to order through the supply system, pencils mm -hmm. and stuff like that, right? My customer service section is helping you uh, get that ordered and to, to get that over to you. Um, and the last piece we do over there uh, from as we look at how we support the the wings mission uh, is the, we manage the equipment for the wing so those 17 units we have out there the equipment assets they have whether for mobility or right here at home station use our my equipment manager is managing that on behalf of the wing so so that's supply <laughs> oh wow <laughs> so uh as we go forward, it and uh, as I said, you know, we have four units, so we go over to our deployment distribution section. Two totally different functions fall within that flight. Okay. Uh, deployments, the common referred to is the installation deployment ready cell. Okay. So th those are the folks uh, over there that receive the taskings. We have any type of uh, deployment taskings. So they're over at, they're in that 5029 building? Yeah. Yes, that's where they reside. Okay. Um, 
So they don't just look at deployment taskings, uh, which is a big piece of it in ensuring that the wing can meet those requirements that are overseeing the readiness requirements or the readiness reporting for the wing. Uh, they also receive, uh, oversee WRM, if we were to have that, to the base support plan, uh, support agreement management. So it's a, it's a pretty big responsibility over there and what they do. Uh, if they manage that on behalf of the wing, a lot of times going direct to the wing commander to ensure it's being uh, managed in a, an appropriate uh, fashion. Wow. That, uh, and, and there's more? And there's more. And wait, there's more. <laughs> <laughs> yes, the distribution section uh, within F flight, uh, that's your air and ground trans. Uh, so you think about ground transportation, that's your you drive a fleet. Uh, they help provide that support, bus support. Uh, if you need any you know, requests to move assets, whether it's with a bus or a vehicle or sure. a forklift, they're doing that. And then our air trans, which is your aeroport functions, although very small for us, we only have two people there. Oh, really? Um, but they, as traditionals, but they provide that passenger terminal or aerial ATAC or that support you provide on the flight line to ensure that the cargo is airworthy uh, prior to being loaded onto aircraft and, and processed and the people to manifest them to get onto the aircraft. That's what that small little section does for us. Uh, and then the last that rounds up the distribution is our traffic management office and that's managing the uh, movement of people and, and, thing, and, and, and cargo as well. Um, you know, if you're going to go to a, uh, a pipeline or right, go into basic sure. training, they're managing that and getting that transportation requirements set up. Wow. So, yeah, a lot, right? You know, uh, yeah. pretty diverse. Uh, moving over to fuel flight, pretty easy, oh, right? Oh, fuel, yeah, fuel, fuel. sure. So Forgot at, about them. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, they're managing the, the ground and, and air fuel, right? The aircraft fuel. Oh, okay. So, uh, the MOGAS or diesel that mm. we use for our vehicles, our generators. Yeah. manage the storage and issuing of that as well as the aircraft fuel uh, the the storage and issuing of that making sure it's of quality and meets the requirements to to use and, and last but not least is our vehicle management flight um, and that they're responsible for the for the wings vehicle fleet and that's the maintenance accountability uh, and uh, ensuring that they're uh, they're an operational form to perform the wings the mission so wow so, you know, as the commander, how do you keep track of something like that? Uh, my SMEs. <laughs> so for me, yeah, I, I you know, heavily depend on my senior NCOs and my officers that manage that on, on my behalf. Um, impossible, right, to have sure, yeah, the, sure. depth of knowledge in each of those areas. But right. I have chiefs and my superintendents and those, those, uh, those senior NCOs and NCOs that are doing it. So day in and day out, the phenomenal team that I have, I uh, couldn't be prouder of the, what they do for me and uh, incredible people. What, so, you know, you, you, how many, because I mean, you've got a lot of moving parts and logistics isn't just a weekend, uh, a weekend job. So what are you, uh, how many full-timers do you have then? So uh, 44. Wow. And that includes... Some that includes my 906 members that oh, are sure. my operational direction. So, you know, I have four different statuses of full time members. You have your Title 32 dual status technicians. Sure. Uh, I have my AGRs, mm -hmm. Active Guard Reserve, uh, Title 32. I have my 906, Title 10, and then I have my Title 5 civilians. Sure. Um, and it comprises about 50 50 uh, technician AGR now from the dual status side. Right. And I have uh, five. Uh, 
Title V and eight, uh, make that nine Title X um, members. So, How do the 906th Air Refueling <laughs> Squadron uh, troops uh, fall in with uh, the logistics readiness squadron? So, uh, I mean, it's seamless as they fall in. Uh, you couldn't uh, you yeah, can't tell the difference between if it was a 126 member or a 906 member. Uh, they fall into uh, our a couple, uh, two of our flights. Our, okay. Our material management, so within the supply side. Okay. So we have personnel within asset management are, are in the MSS side of the house. And then we have uh, 906 members within our fuels flight. Uh, really critical right now in our fuels flight with the low manning we have. So ensuring we can operational, make the operational needs day to day uh, on a full-time side. So uh, great bunch of airmen. Sure. Uh, do those, uh, so I mean, those 906 kind of, uh, those guys must come in handy at times just because, um, uh, just because you are critically manned in some of those spots. Absolutely. Uh, with the material management, you, they come in handy. Because we have a two-shift operation to support maintenances in the, really? in the flying two, you know, two-shift operation there. So without them, it would be extremely challenging uh, to meet that on a day-to-day basis, uh, especially within my, my fuels flight, which is about 50% manned right now uh, on a full-time side. Uh, a little bit higher on the, on the traditional side, you know, the mill side, but uh, sure. both, both of them pretty critically manned. Uh, so they, they provide uh, absolutely necessary to, to make our, our mission uh, day-to-day. How do you ensure the readiness of your squadron in case uh, emergencies or contingency operations come up? Especially, you know, like, um, you know, a couple of years ago, we had uh, civil disturbances that kind of just, some, it seems like some things just kind of popped up out of nowhere, just kind of. So how did, you know, how do you handle that? So, uh, you know, no different, I, I, I presume, than any other commander. Um, you know, for me, it's, it's ensuring that we have our airmen prepared to support that as, as we're required, you know, to go out the door on a moment's notice. So make sure the personal affairs are, are, are taken care of. Uh, and then the other aspect is looking at our, our people in the training and the equipment in their condition. Uh, so I use my unit deployment manager, my unit training manager. They oversee those uh, training requirements, whether it's a deployment related matter or just from an upgrade tra- uh, standpoint, upgrade training standpoint. Mm-hmm. Uh, and working with those section or flight leads uh, to, to, you know, get into the weeds, make sure they can meet those mission capable state, mission, mission capability statements to meet our UTCs. Sure. Uh, and, uh, and my UDM, UTM is also my readiness POC, right? <laughs> so it works well. And every month I go into the system and I, I'm reporting on that and where, we are, where we're at in a readiness standpoint uh, to meet at a moment's notice. So, uh, yeah, how will we rely upon my UDM, UTM, and my readiness reporting POCs to manage the process, but it ultimately uh, relies on my, my flight leadership, those chiefs and superintendents, uh, to develop those plans and make sure they're airmen ready to go. So we're talking with the uh, Logistics Readiness Squadron uh, Commander, Lieutenant Colonel Brad Karhoff, and uh, the 126th Maintenance Group, sir, they just received uh, you know, the highest mission capability rate in the KC-135 fleet for the Air Force overall, how, how, you know, it's not just the mission, it's not just the uh, maintenance group that makes that happen. It's, it's uh, kind of falls on, uh, maybe, you know, it, it kind of falls on the logistics readiness squadron as well. How, how do you guys play a part in that? Absolutely, yes. Uh, so, you know, we, I would say we play a critical part in, in that process. Um, 
if the planes never break, then that mission capable rate is, is phenomenal. No issues, no concerns. Unfortunately, you know, they're old aircraft and, and parts do break. So when that happens, they're working with my maintenance support section, that supply piece, uh, to get those parts on order in a timely manner. And then my maintenance support section is obviously doing the inputs into the system, working with uh, the supply chain operations group at the wing over there mm-hmm. uh, to, to resource those assets. But not just leaving that, that part to the supply chain operations group, but they're also actively looking out there. What is uh, the best place to, to get those, right, those parts? Sure. Uh, the SCOW uh, may resource something from, uh, let's say, the East Coast. Okay. And we're getting towards the middle of the day. Uh, my guys will do the extra legwork and look and say, hey, maybe there's an asset on the West Coast so that we can catch them before they, their end of their duty day to get that out the door and in the, on its way over to us so we get it you know, a day earlier. Right? So, so that's, that's kind of how they work those background pieces, working with those support agencies outside of our wing, the SCOW or other wings to identify it, working with their uh, TMO or supply section to make sure they're pulling that part timely and getting it on that FedEx truck. Uh, so that's what my supply team does. And then once it arrives here, uh, I have my distribution section, TMO, right? Yeah. They receive that part off the, the FedEx truck. Uh, they process it in. It gets to uh, the ground trans person who would deliver it if it's a MICAP part uh, within those 15 or that within that hour. So it gets over to maintenance, gets in their hands, their capable hands. Yeah. Uh, and they're, they're phenomenal uh, maintenance technicians they have over there to make sure that aircraft is back up and uh, ready to go. So, Wow. Uh, you, you were talking about uh, Manning and your, your uh, drill status guardsmen. Those are the folks that come in on the weekend. How, what's, what, are, what are the challenges of being a, a commander in the National Guard, have, knowing that you don't get to see your troops every day? So that's, that's a big challenge. Uh, you know, we're held to the you know, same standards as the active component when it comes to what training requirements right. are levied upon those different AFSCs. Uh, what we don't have is the touch points on a day-to-day basis. So it's you know, the biggest thing I think we'd find in any, any organization is communication. Uh, which is absolutely critical here. You know, communicating with your full-time staff to make sure you're prepared for the weekends. Uh, are we, with those uh, traditional guardsmen that happen to be your chiefs in leadership roles, ensuring they have the information they need to go into a UTA weekend so that they can plan and prepare their airmen to do the upgrade training or proficiency training uh, that they need to make sure we're ready to go. So it's, 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 it's a different... It, Fairly difficult challenge when it comes to the traditional force, but uh, I believe my team does a pretty pretty good job doing that, and it's something that I focus each each month about how I can do it better, how we can right. get after that to do, to do it better. What's your preferable way to communicate with your troops while you're uh, while you're uh, you know during the during the month? So during the month, if it's going out. Uh, you know, our full-time staff, right, uh, could be a various number of ways. Right. With the traditional, if I find it easiest to send a text message out, all right, so that, that initiates a discussion. Most folks, are, you know, have the phone. Yeah. We also use that Air Force Connect app. Oh, okay. Uh, so each week, you know, we have our, my weekly staff meetings on Wednesday morning, and then we push those slides out there onto Air Force Connect app uh, so that they have the ability to look at, if they choose, what's going on operationally or even administratively, all the other things on each week so they're aware of what's going on. So uh, uh, again, we say I seek input. You know, I do a, every year, uh, I sit down with my uh, airmen, NCOs, senior NCOs, uh, and we do kind of like a, uh, 
what's it called? Uh, Give an opportunity to, to sensing session session. Yeah, yeah, we'll call it that uh, to, to, you know, to highlight some of the, the challenges, concerns they have. Sure. And it's ultimately it normally goes down to communication. And and I'm looking at solutions. And that was a solution that we presented this year that we implemented. Well, that's great. What are some of the uh, the squadron's achievements that you are uh, most proud of since you've been commander? Since I'm a commander. Uh, so two years I've been in the seat. Uh, wow, has it been that long? Yeah, it, wow. it's crazy. Yeah, April. Uh, does it feel like two years? It, it doesn't. I mean, it's it's flown by. It's been <laughs> a really busy two years. Uh, but you know, looking the most, you know, the proudest moment. You know, I look back the last six years and all of the national level awards that our unit has has achieved or earned. Um, and in 2021, we won the Air Reserve Component Base Logistics Activity of the Year Award, uh, both at the guard barrel and the half level. So if I had to pick just one, right. that would be the unit award uh, that we won that year. Um, and it's just a testament to what uh, you know, my airmen do day in and day out at every level. Uh, definitely not something I do. Sure. Yeah, it's definitely it's 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 them and how they execute on a day to day basis and, and to be highlighted. It's, it's something that I found to be uh, I'm very proud of. Sure. How do you attribute that? I mean, you your leadership had to do something with that. How how what do you think, in your opinion, that maybe you do that maybe help them get to their to that uh, that level? I don't know if it's anything special uh, that I do. Uh, I believe if you looked across the board, the other commanders do the same thing. I, you know, I, I allow my airmen to lead at every level. I uh, empower them to do that, and I believe, you, and I empower my my senior NCOs and those supervisions at every level to empower their airmen to do the same thing. I don't know, you know, mm -hmm. if, if that's attributed to that, or if I'm just extremely fortunate to have, you know, some brilliant airmen that are hardworking and go-getters that get after the mission, uh, and I just happen to, to highlight it better than other units do. <laughs> uh, I, I, yeah, I understand that. Can you talk about some of the challenges that come with managing such a critical uh, function? Uh, I mean, I know we're all dependent, all the groups and all, you know, but it, you guys are kind of the basis of, you know, we can't function without logistics readiness squadron, especially during times of crisis. How, how do you, uh, you know, what are some of those uh, challenges? So uh, communications, you know, it's a big challenge. So, you know, one of the critical roles we, we provide as an LRS in times of crisis, or you look at contingency operations, um, is we are that mobility arm for the, for, for the wing, right? We're that mobility machine. Right. or moving the people and cargo. So we talked a little bit earlier about that deployment section. So in times of crisis, and, and we're standing up to, to move out, and we're moving a lot of people quickly, or a lot of things quickly, uh, the deployment uh, control center that's okay. managed by the IDRC is working directly on behalf of the wing commander so um and providing that, that that support so they're identifying the requirements they're setting up the timelines to meet those uh, uh movement timelines um identifying any kind of issues concerns and communicating that across the the wing to the respective commanders uh to ensure that they're aware and getting their members and and uh equipment prepared uh to go out the door so with that and i you know i'm kind of in the middle of that as the lrs commander right uh, 
but definitely responsible to ensure that we're prepared to execute. Right. So, uh, but going through that in a time of crisis, it's, it's, it's the communication, effective communication, identifying those, those, those issues or shortfalls to those key stakeholders in the wing and making sure the wing commander is apprised of what's going on. And I'm going back to that manpower uh, question real fast. And we're talking about, you know, challenges. Um, do you find you have to call in uh, the traditional guardsmen during the month to maybe help uh, backfill some of that? It's, it, at times, yes. Yes, we, we have. Uh, dependent on what's going on. You know, there are times which you have to call them in during the week. Uh, a lot of times it's our after hour or weekend support mm. and ensuring that whatever those training or mission needs are is uh, bringing those folks in. It's not always full-time members that are doing that. Right. Uh, it's bringing those traditional guardsmen in and, uh, and, and ensuring that the wing meets that mission. So you were talking about also uh, you guys work the same kind of shifts as the maintenance group. They work two shifts. So what, what, are, the, what are you guys' hours? You guys are... are you, what are, what are you guys' hours? Uh, so, seven to four thirty. Okay. You know, our typical day to day, and then we have that that swing shift that comes in. It's really dependent on the timing, but it's about two to, to twelve thirty or two, two to midnight in that range there. And that that depends on their the ISO doc, the isochronal, it, you know, uh, inspections. Not isochronal, right? Uh, typically not. It's oh, usually okay. meeting, you know. It's meeting the, the flying mission requirements. Now, Isochron could play a part in that. They have a swing shift that's coming in. Sure. We're supporting that. So they have the established times that we're here, uh, and uh, we're here to, to meet whatever or support those mission needs. Uh, who are some people that have been an influence on you in the military? So uh, to narrow down to the military members, it would be extremely difficult. Sure. Uh, yeah, I had so many... You know, great supervisors, colleagues, subordinates, you know, along the way, right? People that I've worked with that influenced me in some way, shape, or form to get to where I am today. Um, uh, but I would say that the biggest influence has been my family. Uh, you know, prior to me joining, I had a brother and a brother-in-law that were in the aircraft maintenance uh, squadron or maintenance squadron over right. there. Sure. Um, and they kind of gave me some insights of what this wing provided, not just what maintenance, what the wing could provide. Right. There's just a lot of people that, you know, from a traditional side have jobs outside of it. At the time in my life, I was out of college. I didn't really know what I wanted to do. Right. Uh, but, to, you know, through discussion with them, they kind of provided that, hey, you know, there's good opportunities out here. So I, I took that leap of faith and I joined because of that. And, and they really, you know, gave me the, uh, the foundation coming in as, you know, great, you know, troops and airmen they were. And, you know, gave me a good name. So help me get in. Um, and, and once I got in, uh, you know, taking an opportunity uh, to to apply for and being accepted as an aircraft maintenance officer. Oh wow! Yeah, and then you know, transition over here. But uh, and then, I mean, most recently, I would say that my wife is probably my biggest influence of what I do. Sure. Um, as a prior FSS commander, deputy mission support group commander, she she's somebody that I definitely um, rely on for advice and bounce some things off of and uh, look at how and influences my. Yeah, my decisions and what I do with my career. So what'd you do before you became an officer? What was your, where, where'd you work at? So I was uh, actually, I was in the ISO doc. So I was a crew chief. Oh, okay. So within the maintenance squadron over there, uh, I was on the traditional side and I was also you know, a temporary technician uh, on the aircraft maintenance side as a crew chief on a flight line. Um, so I did that for four years as a temp tech. 
uh, prior to being commissioned as a maintenance officer in the maintenance squadron. So when you took over uh, for as squadron commander for the LRS, were you already in the logistics uh, readiness squadron? Yes. So I, I came over. I crossed over to LRS, a logistics, uh, back in 2013, January 2013, and kind of worked my way up from there as a uh, installation deployment officer, a wing deployment officer, uh, to the director of operations, the operations officer, uh, and then prior to me uh, becoming the commander in 2021. What's been a memorable moment for you in your military career? I have a few. I mean, there's yeah, a lot, right? Sure. Uh, as a young airman, uh, you know, every time we're out here and what I try to, to convey my airman, the whys by what we do. So I had an opportunity as a crew chief to do a medevac run out of Bagram. Oh, wow. Um, so you know, that gave me the purpose of the why, you know, as we're out there on the airfield and, they, you know, seeing those critically injured uh, uh, soldiers uh, coming on board. So we're bringing it back to, to Ramstein for medical treatment. It gave me a purpose of why I do what I do and, you know, maintaining an aircraft that provides that support, right? Uh, that, without a doubt, uh, something that to this day, you know, it's something that I am uh, extremely proud to be a part of and gives me a purpose of being out here. Uh, a second memorable moment would be when I commissioned and my mom was you know, av available there to, to witness it. Right. Uh, you know, she passed away a year after oh, you know, I commissioned, but awesome. I mean, yeah. so I look back, I'm like, man, that's it. Like, that's pretty cool. And then most recently in 2020, when I came back from my deployment, uh, you know, a very strenuous, grueling, you know, 16-hour day, every day type of deployment, and uh, having my family meet me at the airport when I get back. Those are like three moments that stick out in my mind. So you touched on it a little bit. What, what, uh, or why did you decide to join? Uh, you know, I'm going to step back. So you just talked about uh, you graduated college. Uh, what was your degree in? Uh, nothing it does with logistics. I also, <laughs> so, uh, uh, mathematics. So, uh, I have a degree oh, in mathematics. Uh, holy cow. Right. So, I think it all relates. You know, you, yeah. you look at what you do day in, day out. You analyze what you do, and that's what you do in a, in a, in a career filled with math. Um, you know, I did, I think I majored in it just because I had so many credit hours in it. But it wasn't really like a passion of oh, being a math it? teacher. Right. Uh, I explored the whole actuarial science, took that first test, but I couldn't see myself doing that the rest of my career. Um, yeah, I really didn't know what I was going to do when I, when I graduated. And I think I was just fortunate, really, right. to have people that uh, were engaged in the military with this unit. Uh, they gave me an opportunity to be here. And you know, I love doing what I do. I love working with the people I work with. Why did you just so, uh, decide to join the Air National Guard? Well, uh, to go back to what I said earlier, um, an opportunity, my, uh, my family being a part of the Air National Guard, but an opportunity for, you know, to provide for my family, to mm -hmm. serve the country, um, and to give me, you know, potential employment opportunities, whether it was with the Guard or just meeting those contacts and those traditional guardsmen that have those employment opportunities outside of here, right? right. Uh, my, my family kind of spoke to that. My brother did, my brother-in-law, and, and I saw that and said, why not? Um, and I always had a kind of an ambition to serve my country and uh, kind of fell into place. Right, did, uh, were you able to, uh, was, uh, what benefits, were you able to get your college paid for or anything like that after, after you joined? Uh, 
No. Uh, well, I mean, I could have, uh, but I had already been through college. So, and I already paid for all my college. By oh, the you time. did? Yeah. So, oh. I didn't have a whole lot of loans. Um, oh, good. In hindsight, I definitely would have joined prior. Right. Um, and mitigated, you know, paying for school while I was, while I was going through college and something I would advocate for every airman uh, to do. But uh, I think that the biggest benefit is it's given me, you know, uh, a career. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's given me a purpose and uh, something, you know, a job that I love doing. So, I, you know, how, how do I have known that, you know, 18, almost 18 years ago? I wouldn't have, uh, but I took that leap of faith and it's, this paid off for me. Well, you know, you, you probably had the opportunity to go to another, you probably could have gone to another wing or is there any, um, what made you decide to stay? What's made you decide to stay in the 126th? Uh, the people. Uh, been, been able to work with some really good people throughout my entire career. Whether it was enlisted with an aircraft maintenance um, or since I've commissioned with an aircraft maintenance and the commanders and supervisors that I had there and, and really the, the airmen that I worked next to day in and day out. Um, always been great people and, and transition over to LRS has been no different. So it's just the people. How many family members do you have in the wing? Oh, uh, wow. Uh, in the wing right now, I have two brothers, a brother-in-law, and, and my wife. <laughs> so I guess that's uh, four total. Okay. Five, including myself. Yeah. Um, so, and we have to say that uh, Colonel Karhoff is the, uh, the husband <laughs> of our uh, public affairs officer, uh, Major Luann Karhoff. So I got to ask you, what's coming up uh, for you guys this drill? So this drill, uh, typical drill when it comes to normal, you know, proficiency upgrade training. But there are a couple things that we've been focused on recently, and that's the readiness, um, not just for our squadron, but for the wing. So as you're aware of, we have the big readiness exercise in September. Uh, part of that is ensuring we can get out the, the, the get out the door that mobility machine. Sure. So my my plans office or my deployment distribution section is doing some unit cargo increment monitor training for the uh, the respective units throughout the wing mm-hmm. to ensure their members have uh, the ability to to build and process their cargo, and we're also providing. Uh, cargo deployment function training, and that's the b- mobility machine itself, to our to the augmentees. Uh, like I said, we have a very small footprint of area porters, so oh, we right. rely on the wing to provide us augmentees uh, to manage that that uh, that function. So we're providing both of those training opportunities this this coming UTA, and then internal to LRS, a uh, focus on readiness as well, and we're doing uh, uh, some PAR team training, um, looking at how we can communicate. You know, and execute those requirements. Uh, Chief, Chief Mazanik, my SEL, is leading that. So we've been focused on that over the last few months and can continue doing that up until the, uh, the readiness exercise in, in September to make sure our airmen are ready to go. All right, one more uh, hard-hitting question, sir. Uh, it's uh, National Corn Dog Day. Now, I'm sure you don't, uh, your wife probably doesn't allow you to eat corn dogs <laughs> in the house, but uh, really, uh, mustard or ketchup on your corn dog? So if I had to choose, it'd be ketchup. That's, you're a good man, sir. <laughs> I don't know who would put mustard on one of those things. All right, uh, thank you, sir, for coming in. That's uh, Lieutenant Colonel Brad Carhoff, the 126th Logistics Readiness Squadron. I should ask you, is there anything else you'd like to add? 
Uh, you know, no, I appreciate you having me over today to highlight uh, what my squadron does for this wing and the incredible airmen that I have the ability to to serve with each and every day and serve for. So it's you know, thank you for for giving me this opportunity. Chief of Staff of the Air Force, General C.Q. Brown Jr., recently approved a list of changes recommended by the 102nd Uniform Board. Cold weather headbands are now an approved accessory and a total of four badges can be worn above the U.S. Air Force tape on the OCP uniform. Olive drab green backpacks are also authorized to wear with any uniform combination. Additionally, parents in uniform may no longer have to wear a hat or salute at child development centers. One of the latest changes to dress and appearance rules lets installation commanders declare CDC's no hat, no salute zones. Secretary of Defense Lloyd J. Austin III announced a new plan with six initiatives to improve life for military families. The measures include universal pre-kindergarten at Department of Defense education activity schools, flexible spending accounts for dependent health care, and new military parental leave benefits. Other initiatives cover improvements to the Exceptional Family Member Program and expansion of financial assistance for spouses to get up to $4,000 in aid for a professional license, certificate, or associate's degree. Austin says DOD will work with Congress and the states for implementation and support. F-22A Raptors from Joint Base Elmendorf-Richardson, Alaska are the first fifth-generation fighter aircraft to land and operate out of the Philippines. They traveled to Clark Air Base to integrate and train with F-A-50 multi-role fighters from the Philippine Air Force. Captain Joe Bauman, an F-22 pilot, says the Raptors' ability to establish air dominance combined with the F-A-50's precision strike capability makes a lethal combo. Pacific Air Forces and the Philippine Air Force train together regularly to enhance stability in the Indo-Pacific region. That's your look around the Air Force. I'm Staff Sergeant Milton Hamilton. Veterans, service members, and their families can reach the National Suicide Prevention Hotline by dialing 988 and pressing 1 to be connected to the Veteran Crisis Line. Suicide has no single cause and no single preventative action, treatment, or cure will eliminate every individual suicide. But research shows we need to reframe our thoughts and understanding of suicide from isolated outcomes to an integrated primary prevention approach that focuses on root causes. So it's not just one, uh, one event that leads someone to uh, feeling suicidal. It's just a combination of things, just one on top of another. Then uh, finally, we see uh, someone in crisis. Veteran service members and their families can uh, reach out to the National Suicide Prevention Hotline by calling 988 and pressing 1 to be connected to the uh, Veterans Crisis Line. And you can also text that line as well. You can find all of our links on Linktree. That's linktr.ee forward slash 126ARW. If you're watching YouTube, you can also download this on your favorite podcast app. If you want to pass along some information, maybe you have some information you'd like to uh, let us know about an event in your squadron, uh, you can email rollcall 126.arw.pa.mm.org at us.af.mil. 
Thanks for listening to Roll Call, a 126 The Air Refueling Wing podcast focused on people, mission, and community. I'm Master Sergeant Brian Ellison. 